So enough of the bad news. Are you guys ready for that? Some good news, right? <clears throat> we're, not, you know, we're not saying that uh, we should ignore what's going on around us, what's happening in our worlds, in our world, but um, just constantly cautioning people. We, we can't allow ourselves to get emotionally wrapped up in what's going on. Uh, we got to be able to respond, and the way we respond, as we'll see today, is, is with the good news, is with the gospel, is with what Jesus Christ um, has brought to this world, has given us uh, through his death on the cross. And, you know, the fact that the world is in the condition that it is in uh, should tell us a couple things. Number one, we were told all the time that humanism, which is, you know, man is the highest end of uh, evolution and and that we uh, are getting better and better, and we're evolving into something better and greater, uh, we, we can see that after centuries of man's um, response to wor- the world, to each other, that's not true. <clears throat> we can tell us ourselves that all the time. We, we can constantly, um, it's almost like you, know, you tell a lie enough, people think it's the truth. And so we can, we can tell ourselves that, but we're not getting better. We're getting worse as humans. Um, and, but we also have to understand something, that the Bible is accurate. <clears throat> it's true. It's, it tells us the truth of what's going on in our world today. I was talking to somebody after the service. It says, they're like, man, it's almost like the Bible was written for our world today. And yeah, the Bible is written for our world today. It's, it's living. It's active. It's, it's something that speaks to what's going on in our world today. In fact, Jesus um, stole something out of our headlines, evidently, from today. For out of the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adulteries, fornication, thefts, false witness, slanders. We, we're all messed up. Right? It's not that they're messed up. We're all messed up. Our hearts are messed up. It's out of our hearts that come all these things. It may show itself in different ways, but, but we're all messed up. We're all in need of, of Christ. He's the answer. He's, he's what's going to bring peace not only to our lives here, but ultimately for our eternity. But I, I, just, I feel like I need to say something about our current situation that we're in with the, the riots going on and um, hopefully calming down here, but there's still some of that going on. Um, and so I was thinking about it and praying about it, and so I just had this thought that kind of ran through my head. So Jesus is God the Son, right? So God the Son puts on flesh. The God of this universe puts on flesh. The flesh that he puts on as he becomes, takes on human nature, 100% God, 100% man, as he takes on human nature, he takes on human, the human nature of the Jewish race. The race that has been oppressed by far more than any other race in our world. He comes to earth and he takes on that flesh, but doesn't free them from the oppression of the Roman government. Instead, he lives a perfect life dies on a cross to free Jews and non-Jews, all mankind, from the eternal consequences of our sin. 
So we wouldn't have to spend an eternity in hell, we get to spend an eternity with him in heaven. And, and I think that should speak to us as followers of Christ as to what our response should be to a world that's in chaos, that oftentimes is in chaos over race, that Jesus Christ didn't come to earth to free man from governmental oppression. In fact, he spoke to Christians saying, this is how you're supposed to respond to it. And ultimately the goal is for us to be like Jesus and to sacrifice our lives in order to draw people to Christ for salvation. In fact, Jesus didn't rise up. Jesus didn't rise up first. He sacrificed first. Then he rose. And as Christians, if we're going to rise up, we better rise up and sacrifice for the people around us in our lives who need Christ. And, you know, if we're, if we're, going, to, um, if we're going to put time and effort into memes on Facebook, or we're going to put time and effort into protesting, and again, nothing wrong with those things. Rioting, wrong. Protesting, not wrong. Memes, some funny, some not so funny, not wrong. But if we're going we're gonna to put, no one's made one of me yet, so that's good, and don't start. I'm just saying, why well, I started going off track, stick to your notes, Harold. Um, but if we're going to put passion into that, and we're not passionate about the people in our world who need Christ, and I'm talking about the people that we interact with, if we're more passionate about that kind of stuff than we are about their salvation, then I have no problem, based on what Scripture is saying, that we have wrong motivation, that we're wrong. We're putting our energy towards things that we shouldn't be putting our energy towards. We need to be putting our energy towards what Jesus Christ is going to be talking about today in John chapter 3. So enough of the bad news. We're going to look at some good news. We're going to start with the good news, the gospel. And then the next several weeks, we're going to talk about those different things that God, um, some of those things, there's a bunch of things. It would take us a couple years to go through. Uh, but some of those things that we're going to, uh, that God gives us through our uh, our relationship with him through salvation. And so if you're here this morning and you don't know Jesus Christ, or if you're listening on a podcast and you don't know Christ, then I'm going to challenge you to, to do three things. And if you're a believer here this morning, I'm going to challenge you to do uh, these three things with somebody in your life who doesn't know Christ, to kind of help them with this, to walk through that. And so the three things you want to talk about this morning that we're going to see in John chapter 3 is, one, investigate Jesus. So if you don't know Jesus Christ as your Savior, I'm going to challenge you this morning based off what we're going to see here that you need to investigate Jesus personally. Okay? Not believe other people, including me. You need to, you need to investigate yourself. Okay? I mean, I'll help you because I believe, you know, I understand Scripture. Um, so I'll, I'll, I'm there for you and other Christians are there for you. But you need to pers- don't believe what everyone else is telling you. Secondly, you need to hear Jesus. You need to hear what he has to say about it. And we'll understand as we go through the passage why. And then lastly, believe Jesus. uh, To put our full weight of trust on Jesus and what he says. All right, you guys ready for that? This morning? Yeah, okay. Three of you are ready for that. Well, at least three of you are, so that's good enough. We'll do this. All right, so we're going to look at John chapter 3. Look at the first three verses and this idea of investigate Jesus. It says this, Now there was a man of the Pharisees, so he's a religious leader, 
named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. So he's one of the big shots, big shot ruler guy, um, religious dude. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you have come from God as a teacher. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered, that's kind of interesting answer to what he just said, because normally if someone were to say that to you, you'd be like, oh, thank you. <laughs> thank you very much. <laughs> but Jesus answered and said to him, truly, truly, hey, listen up. I'm telling you something here. I say to you, unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. So we have this, this powerful religious leader who comes to Jesus, and it says that we, uh, so he might be coming, in verse 2 says we, so he might be coming like, you know, with other people saying, hey, you go, you go talk to him. So he might be representing some other people. Whatever the case, uh, Nicodemus comes to Jesus personally. So this is what I'm trying to nail into our minds. Nicodemus doesn't take anybody else's opinions. He, he doesn't go to anybody else. He goes directly to the one who can tell him exactly what's going on. He goes to Jesus personally. And it's a dangerous thing for him to do, so he comes at night because the Pharisees hated Jesus. <clears throat> and if they knew he went, then it could be bad for him, so he's going to be cautious about this, you know. But he goes to talk to Jesus and to do so personally. He, he comes to him with this, you know, kind of glowing um, description of who Jesus is. And really, if you understand the situation that's going on, he's probably just kind of buttering Jesus up a little bit. He's complimenting him and trying to make Jesus feel better. Because the Pharisees, one, were very arrogant uh, men. But the other part of it is that uh, he knew that Jesus, at least humanly speaking, he knew that you know, Jesus was you know, a carpenter and his... He was a son of Mary, so he had questionable birth because you know, Mary and Joseph, not really sure what was going on there. Um, she thought she had the child of God. You know, he's kind of strange thinking, right? So he, he comes and he kind of lifts Jesus up in his mind to make Jesus feel good, compliment him. But Jesus, <clears throat> he's not there. He's not, he, he doesn't really care about the compliment, you know. He's not coming back at him with the whole, hey, thank you very much, I appreciate that. And, you know, hey, where did you go to school? And where did you go to, you know, didn't have this banter about religious stuff. He didn't have this banter about political stuff because the, the Pharisees were involved in the political world as well. They, they ran the nation of Israel under the, um, under the Roman oppression. So Rome gave him some freedom, enough to kind of keep things under control. Jesus wasn't there to have this banter. What he was there for is what he says in verse 3, truly, truly, listen up. Hey, this is important. Listen to what I have to say here. You, Nicodemus, Pharisee, ruler of the people, you won't even see the kingdom of God. A religious leader being told by this guy, that he's not going to see the kingdom of God. Unless he's born again. And that born again, it's probably better, maybe better translated, born from above. Okay? And I don't know if you guys, I grew up in a time where, oh, you're one of those born againers. You know, they would say, kids, kids at school would even say, oh, you're one of those born againers. Like, that's not even proper English. But, anyways, yeah, I guess I am 
a born-againer. But it means born from above. It means to be born from heaven or born spiritually. What's Jesus talking about when he says the kingdom of God? Um, <clears throat> just real quickly. So back then they, they thought about kingdoms. That's kind of their whole world was an uh, idea of kingdoms. And today we think about countries, you know, so this kingdom. The Jews were anticipating, uh, God had promised that he's going to uh, set up an earthly, eternal kingdom. Okay, now we know more about that through the New Testament. I'm not going to go into detail, but the point is that that earthly kingdom is going to go into an, an eternal kingdom. And so for our discussion this morning, uh, we're going to call it heaven, okay? Because basically that's where we end up um, with this. So what, what Jesus is saying to, to Nicodemus, yeah, you, you're involved you know, in all this religious stuff, but the point I'm just trying to get across you right here, right now, is, is your greatest need is to know for sure you're going to go to heaven when you die. That you're going to be with God when you die. And you're not going to unless you believe. Unless you've been born again. So, so we have this religious leader who's being told he can't go to heaven um, unless he is born again. He's not going to see heaven. And if a religious leader can't do it, what's that say for the rest of us, right? Kind of a scary thought. This Pharisee ruler who supposedly does everything right. So that's why as, as we look at Jesus, we need to investigate him. We, we, can't, um, we can't delegate that out to somebody else. We need to be in God's Word, and we need to be studying and understanding who he is and reading for ourselves who Jesus is. And then we need to hear what he has to say. And so the next several verses, now Jesus is going to try to explain to Nicodemus what he's talking about. So starting in verse 4, it says this, Now Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? You've got to enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born, can he? Jesus answered, Truly, truly. So here again, hey, listen up. I told the first service, I, if you want somebody to listen, I wouldn't go, truly, truly. You know, it's just really kind of awkward. You know, if you want to get your kids' attention or if somebody at work or something like that, don't do it. Back then, it was okay. In the King James, I think it may say, verily, verily. Really don't do that one, because that's, it may think you're from England or something. But anyways, so Jesus answered, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom. So that's kind of interesting. We're going to talk about that. He cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh. We get that, right? We're all born of the flesh. We're here. We're in the flesh, right? Um, and that which is born of, spirit, of the Spirit, Holy Spirit, is spirit. So that's something we have to talk about. Do not be amazed that I said to you, you must be born again or born from above. The wind blows where it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but do not know where it comes from or where it is going. So everyone who is born of the Spirit. Nicodemus said, how can these things be? So he's still not getting it. Jesus answered and said to him, Are you the teacher of Israel and do not understand these things? Truly, truly. Again, can you imagine Jesus going, Come on, can't you get this, please? Truly, truly, I say to you, we speak of what we know and testify of what we have seen, and you do not accept our testimony. We're, I'm showing it to you. I'm, every day I'm here showing it to you. I'm teaching you about it. and You're not getting this? If I told you earthly things, and you do not believe, how will you believe if I tell you heavenly things? 
No one has ascended into heaven, but he who descended from heaven, the Son of Man. Parentheses, Jesus. As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, so that whatever, or I'm sorry, so that whoever believes will in him have eternal life. And so there's that eternal life, eternal life, kingdom of God, heaven. It's all kind of coming together here. So we need to hear Jesus. We need to hear him. He's going to tell us a few things. So the first one is that Jesus is not talking about physical birth here. He's talking about spiritual birth. He's talking about this, someone who needs to be born of water and the Spirit. Now there's a debate as to what that means, and different people come from different angles, think it means different things. Uh, and if you're interested in those things, you can come talk to me afterwards. But I'm going to give you what I believe based on studying up what makes the most sense in the context. The word, uh, so water and the Spirit, he's talking about a spiritual birth. He talks about that which is physical is physical, right? So those that are born of the physical are physical. In other words, there's a, there's a physical, biological thing that happens when a, a, a man and a woman get together. And that's all I'm going with that. You can talk to your kids more about it. They have questions. So when they get together, then that seed, that getting together, causes a physical life. All right? So what Jesus is saying here is there's a spiritual transaction that takes place. There's a spiritual thing that happens. And so when that's, that spiritual seed is implanted, and that's God the Holy Spirit, when that's implanted into a person, now that spiritually dead person has spiritual life. They're able to be spiritually alive. And so Jesus is the, the spiritual, in a sense, who took on physical in order to give the physical the spiritual. Make sense? So, but Jesus Christ is the one who does that. We don't do it. Nicodemus couldn't do it. Jesus Christ does it. God does it. God the Holy Spirit does it. The Trinity, all involved in what's happening in our lives. He says, you know, we, I get it that you don't understand it. We don't, get the, we don't understand the wind. You know, we may know a little bit more about it today than we did, that he did back then, but we really don't understand the wind, right? We don't know really where it's coming from. We don't really know where it's going, but we can see the effects of it. And so when it comes to the spiritual transaction that God does in our lives by giving us spiritual life, we may not get all of it. And we, we, we shouldn't understand all of it because it's something that comes from God. But we can see the effects of it. When someone gives their life to Christ, and when God places His Holy Spirit into, their, into that person's life, there's a change that takes place. There's a, a, there's a different way of thinking that begins to develop, and there's a different way of living that begins to develop in this baby Christian begins to mature and becomes more and more like Christ. And Nicodemus's, you know, religion, his uh, religious position as a leader, none of that matters. And just like for us, it doesn't matter physically speaking what's going on. What matters is what's going on with the spiritual, what's happening between us and, and God. And Really, Nicodemus, Nicodemus should have understood this because in the Old Testament, which again, he's supposed to be a, a scholar of the Old Testament, you know, God told Ezekiel about this, that this was going to happen. Ezekiel 36, you can you read it for yourself. And so he's not talking about physical birth, he's talking about spiritual birth. And he said that, that spiritual birth comes through him. He says that only somebody who's been to heaven can, under, can know how to get to heaven, which makes sense, right? I mean, if you've never been someplace, 
um, and you know somebody who has, you're going to probably have a conversation with them. But hey, how did you get to whatever? Well, Jesus is saying, no one's ever been to heaven to be able to tell you how to get there. I, I'm from heaven. I'm God. And so I'm going to be able to tell you how to get to heaven. And so therefore, makes sense, we should listen to him and what he has to say. And so he talks about this story of, of Moses. So in the Old Testament, Israel's out in the wilderness, right? They're roaming around, and, and God um, is disciplining them because they're, they're crabby and they're fussy and they're complaining about everything. So, so God disciplines them, and he sends some snakes into the camp, and, it, and the snakes begin to uh, bite people, and they were starting to get sick and, and potentially die. So Moses goes to, to God on behalf of Israel and says, hey, you know, please do something. Heal these people. Save these people from these snake bites. And so uh, God, who's also looking down into the future, right? He says, listen, take one of those snakes and wrap it up on a stick and, and hold it up. And tell everybody, if you look at that stick, then that snake on a stick, you'll be healed. Now, it's not so much the, the snake on a stick. All right, no one sounds like, oh my God. A dinner, doesn't it? Hey, let's have some snake on a stick tonight, honey. <laughs> yeah, cook that baby up. Anyways, sorry. Um, so it's not the fact that he holds up, that they look at that as much as what they believe God's going to do through that. So they're believing in God. They're having faith in God that if they do what he says to do, they're going to experience healing. And so when that happens and they do it, God heals them. So Jesus is saying, hey, remember that story? And you know, Nicodemus is probably going, oh, yeah, yeah, I can't remember that. And he's saying, okay, so in the same way, the Son of Man, me, I'm going to be lifted up on a stick called a cross. And God says, if you look at Jesus on the cross, if you believe that he died on the cross for you, then you will have your sins forgiven and you'll have this spiritual transaction happen where you have spiritual life. And so it's believing what God says, putting your faith in what God says. So he tells Nicodemus that whoever believes in Jesus will in him, Jesus, have eternal life. You want to get into the kingdom of God? You want to, you want to go to heaven one day? You want to have eternal life? It comes through faith in what Jesus Christ did. So then Jesus goes on to say this. So this is the believe part. So we've investigated. We hear what he says. And now here's the belief. Familiar verses for many of us. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son and whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have eternal life. For God did not send the Son into the world to judge the world, but that the world might be saved through him. He who believes in him is not judged. He who does not believe has been judged already. Because he has not believed, you know how many times he said, anybody count how many times he said believe in this, these verses? He has not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. This is the, ju this is the judgment. That the light has come. So if there is a judgment, here it is. That the light, Jesus, has come into the world and men love darkness rather than light. They didn't want anything to do with Jesus. For their deeds were evil. They weren't humble. They weren't going to come to Jesus. For everyone who does evil hates the light and does not come to the light for fear that his deeds will be exposed. But he who practices the truth comes to the light so that his deeds may be manifested as having been wrought of God. 
So why? Why would God, who has the right and responsibility to judge sin, he's the, he's the judge, he's, he's God, he's created all this, he's in charge, um, he is just, and so therefore he should um, judge sin, and like we talked about in the first service, um, you know, in Minneapolis, in Minnesota there, um, the police officer who did what he did, that, that man should be judged, right? If found guilty, which seems pretty obvious, you know, he should be judged. And everyone would say, yes, that's right. I don't think there's a person who says, no, that guy should be let go. You know, so we get that. The problem is when it's us, when we've done wrong, we're kind of like, yeah, well, you know, Lord, I think you can kind of let me skate on this one. But God can't because it's, not in, it's, it's who he is. It's his character. And we don't want him to be somebody who just says, eh, well, you know, yeah, you're okay. You know, because then that's playing favoritisms and that's not good either. So why would the God who is right and just and judging choose to send God the Son and put on flesh and die for us? It's, it's kind of inconceivable in one sense. It's like how in a world and why in a world would he do that? And he says, man, that's what you have to believe in. And if, you, if we believe, whoever believes in him will not perish. In other words, you won't have the eternal judgment in hell for their, for their sin. Whoever believes, whoever puts their full weight of trust, whoever relies completely upon, I don't know how many different words and phrases I could use, all right? it means to entrust oneself. If you, if you do that, you won't experience the eternal judgment in hell for, their, for your sin. And if you do that, if you believe in him, you'll have eternal life. You'll have it. Even, even before you get there, it's yours. Eternal life with God in heaven. See, God, Jesus didn't come to judge us, but to save us from hell. In fact, Paul talks about this um, in Romans. It's a real clear way to present it. In Romans uh, 6, 23, it says, for the wages of sin is death. Now, death encapsulates everything Jesus is talking about here. Judge, perish, spiritual death and hell. For the wages of sin is death. What we earn by doing life our way, by disobeying God, doing life our way, we earn death. Um, and, and again, that's the bad news. He's the eternal judge. We've sinned. We stand before him guilty. That's the bad news. But the good news is followed up right in that same verse, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift, something you can't do anything for. I was talking to Hagen between services here. You know, I think sometimes we, we think of a free gift. You know, everybody will, will go for um, a free meal, right? Has anybody ever turned down a free meal? Every night, Kim gives me a meal, so it's kind of, you know, free meal. No, we, we, we'll take a free meal. And Hagen's point was like, you know, salvation is like our eternal free meal. <laughs> you know, we, we get to go to heaven for free. Who, who would not want to have that? How do you not accept that gift if it's given to you? But I think our pride gets in the way and we think, well, you know, uh, I'm too bad and God can't save me or doesn't want to save me, even though God keeps saying, I loved you so much, I died for you. Um, I was emailing with Bethany this week and she has a friend who's struggling and um, wants God's blessing in her life. And so I shot back to 
Beth, you know, what, what greatest blessing could anybody have that the God of the universe would die for them? You know, it's all perspective, right? So sometimes we think we're too good for it, we're not good enough for it, whatever the case. When we believe in Him, when we place our faith in Him, when we rely completely on Him, is when we experience this gift of eternal life that God has for us. It's a spiritual transaction we don't quite understand. And that's okay, because we shouldn't understand it. So, what are some of the takeaways for us? Well, pretty, I think, pretty obvious. First of all, for a non-believer, man, just your takeaway should be that you become a believer. That you've never placed your faith in Christ. If you've never experienced God's forgiveness of your sin and experienced what, it's, what it is to have God's Holy Spirit in your life giving you spiritual life, if you've never done that, man, you've got to do that. Why, why reject that gift? Even if you don't fully quite understand it, it's okay, because you don't understand the wind, right? And you're fine with it, unless it's blowing 60 miles an hour. But you know, we're, we're okay with not understanding the wind completely. But man, don't, don't lose this opportunity Take Christ at His word and, and receive what He's offering to you. Believe. You know, investigate. So you're like, well, you know, Harold, I really can't. You know, today is maybe not the best day. Okay, whatever. But investigate. Go to Christ personally. Get into God's word. Read Scripture. Read the Gospel of John. You know, it's a great Gospel. Find out about who this Jesus is and what He's come to do and why does he love you so much and then hear what he has to say he's god he's the one who's from heaven he knows how to get back there and then believe it's simply to admit you've sinned admit that you've gone against what god has said to do and we've all done it right i don't think anybody here in this room would ever say no no i'm perfect no we've all screwed up we've all lied cheated all the things that jesus talked about in that first slide matthew 15 we just admit that. We need His forgiveness and we need His salvation. Then we believe. We just say, God, I'm trusting in what you say. I'm putting my full weight of trust. I don't quite understand it, but I'm putting my full weight of trust that Jesus died on the cross for my sin, took my eternal death and hell for me, and then rose again to defeat my sin and my death. And then confessing it is just literally having a conversation, telling God that. It's just, we call it prayer, but it's just having a conversation with God. And just telling him that. Anytime you give it, you're given a gift, you typically say thank you. And that's kind of what you're doing when we confess it. So what I'd like to do this morning is just uh, go ahead and everybody just close your eyes. and um, We do this from time to time. If you're here this morning and you're like, man, I, I, need, to, I, I need to know for sure that I have a relationship with God and I'm going to go to heaven one day. Now, keep your eyes closed. Just one point. You're only born physically once. Okay? And... So the same as spiritually. You're only born spiritually once. So in the past, if you've prayed a prayer and you meant that, and you're, right now you're kind of just not feeling close to God, you know, that's just a relationship thing where you just need to spend some time with Him and reconnect, if you want to call it that. But if you've never prayed to accept Christ as your Savior, and you, and you want to do that this morning, just go ahead and raise your hand, and, and I'd like to lead you in a prayer that you could pray, your heart to God's heart. Uh, again, it's more of what you're saying and your heart to Him. But if you'd like to do that, Go ahead and raise your hand. If not, then we'll just move on with the, the last point. Okay. Let's uh, go ahead. Go ahead and. Um,
lift your head so you're not falling asleep on me. Um, the last one, and, and Ben, you guys can come up if you'd like. Uh, the last point then is to us who are, are Christians. I'm, I'm assuming that um, most of us here know Christ personally. And, um, and so we have a challenge. And the challenge really comes out of the, uh, the last verse, verse 21. Jesus, as he's finishing up, he says that, but he who practices the truth, so in other words, those who come to Christ for salvation, um, comes to the light, so that his deeds, not Jesus' deeds, but our deeds, may be manifested as having been wrought in God. The word manifest means to make apparent, to, to be obvious. So as we go through life, as we interact with people, whether it's our family or our neighbors or coworkers, wherever we're interacting with people, it should be obvious to them that something's different. It should be obvious to them that, that we are a follower of Christ. Our life should line up with what Jesus Christ's life looked like. That's what he's talking about there. So that it would be manifested. So, you know, manifested, kind of what we talked about last week, you know, apparent, but also the God's glory, revealing to other people who God is and, and how he operates, and he does that in our lives. And, and then he says that it had been wrought in God. There's another good word, wrought in God, right? That just means that it's empowered by God, something that God's doing in and through us. And so as followers of Christ, our responsibility as we leave this building, as we go back into this world who needs Christ, that we represent Christ, that we live a life that's obvious to everybody else that we are followers of Christ. Not perfectly, but humbly. And, and we help those people in our lives who need Christ to investigate Him, to hear Him, and then to walk with them and, and maybe even be able to pray with Him as they place their faith in Him. That's our responsibility. So as we close this morning... You know, do business with God. If there's something that God's talking to you about with this, do business with Him and, and, and get that right and make the, the commitment again to walk out these doors and live for Christ another week and represent Him to those in your life who need Him. It'll